As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Welcome to the On Farm podcast. I'm Anna Davis. I would love to get goats. (laughs) I wonder if you could tell my husband through the medium of this podcast why it's so amazing to be the owner of goats. Your husband's going to hate me. What's his name? (laughs) Willie. Willie. I was very sceptical. The goats coming home were nothing to do with me, but I love them now. They aren't that far off having a dog, I would almost say. (gasps) Wow. Today's episode is effectively a kind of does what it says on the tin type episode whereby we are telling the story of a farming family. I am Joanna and I run the farm shop here at Farmness. I am Donald, I help out in the farm shop but I run the farm here at Farmness. I've been following them on television and on social media and I just wanted to hear their story so this episode is dedicated to us sharing their story with you and I hope you find it as interesting as as I did. The farm was already in our family so I've just I've just really taken it over. I always looked up to my dad and my uncle who were the farmers here so I enjoyed it and went into it. Yeah. And you used to drive a tractor to school discos. At <laughs> once, yeah, I drove a tractor to school, school disco, yeah. So yeah. it was a hit with the ladies. It was, actually, it worked. <laughs> well, it obviously worked with one particular lady. <laughs> Joanna, have, have you been connected to farming all your life? Oh, kind of. It's a big debate with us, isn't it? Donald says I'm not a farmer, but my dad is from a like, long-established farming family in the West Coast. We're from Lochaber. And so I grew up on a farm, but it had become a hobby farm by the time I was a child. My dad went to farming school in Kyle of Lacalche, and then he went to agricultural college in Aberdeen, and then he worked for the College of Agriculture, but he started doing discos at night and then eventually left farming completely to have pubs and nightclubs and kept the farm. So we still lived on the farm, but... We didn't use it to make money at all. In fact, he rescued like deer and red deer and we would live off the land. Donald's laughing at it, but we lived off venison and we grew all our own vegetables. We grew potatoes, we had hens, so we had eggs and we'd swap food with local crofters, but we, we didn't make any money. But I thought I was a farmer. I'd never stepped foot on a commercial farm and then I came to Donald's and I was just like what is this? This is so stressful. Work, 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 work and more work. Is your dear dad still with us Joanna? Yeah, yeah he is. Because I think I'd love to speak to him for the next podcast. I have never before met a farmer turned (laughs) nightclub owner and I suspect he might be the only one of of his kind. It sounds fascinating. Yeah. It would be interesting for sure. He's a big character. Yeah. 
I don't know, he's maybe going to be on this farming life as well. He might make an appearance. Oh, good. Excellent. Right, well, I'll look out for that and then I'll um, see if I can get him on the podcast. Um, so I'd love to hear, I mean, I, I know because I've watched some of the programmes on TV, but um, not everybody will have seen that. So I'd love to hear about the variety of different activities that you have on the farm. I, mean, I live on a farm and I love it, but we don't have a huge variety of activities. We have arable crops. And that's pretty much it. So I'd love to hear more from you about all of the different things that go on on your farm and why they do. What is it about those activities that made you do them and, and continue to make you feel passionate? So I would say we're predominantly a livestock farm, but we can also grow some malting barley. But we're definitely more of a livestock farm. So we have cows um, for beef production and we've got sheep. Um, like I say, we can grow a small proportion of barley. We've also got a small haulage farm as well. And then we have started up farm shop, what we're going to call it, slash... Well, hopefully soon a commercial kitchen. Yeah. And then we want to have it as a kind of educational outfit as well. So families come and see like some of the animals or see lambing or... Yeah. Just like kind of seasonal events on the farm really is what we want to do. And we want to we've got our farm shop and then we want to have a commercial kitchen selling produce from the farm. So our own beef burgers and Yeah, we're doing we're doing that already. But yeah, yeah. cooked. Yeah. Cooked. Cooked. Yeah, 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 takeaway yeah, yeah, foods yeah. from the farm. Yes. And am I right in thinking that you're in a pretty good location for takeaway food and passing traffic? Where exactly are you located? I was just about to try and get that in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. You can give people the postcode if you want. <laughs> yeah, IV three eight. No. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we, we're located. We basically leave Inverness, uh, capital of the Highlands, as it's called, and you head to Loch Ness, and we're like a mile and a half out of Inverness. So it just really made sense to try and try and do something because. Inverness has a population of about 60,000 now, I think. I think 70,000. Is it 70? Oh, well. Geography yeah. teacher. Geography teacher, yeah. I stand corrected. <laughs> and it just it seems to be fashion just now, the whole North Coast 500 thing. Yeah, and our shop is right on the roadside of the age too. Yeah. So Amazing. At the moment, I mean, we're needing to get signs made. That is high on our to-do list. But people can just see the shop and they're like, oh, what's that? Because it's just so visible. The location's amazing. Oh, sounds amazing. And probably stunning scenery and views as well, I imagine. Oh, so nice. It looks right down the Great Glen towards uh, Loch Ness. So it's wide and open and just hills. Wonderful. We farm the, the... As you leave Inverness until you hit Loch Ness, we farm on the side of the the canal and river. We are we farm all of the ground. So yeah, yeah. So you Scott, grow barley right on the banks of Loch Ness, don't do, you, Donald? We do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's amazing. It just yeah, you can just close your eyes and picture that, can't you? It's just just stunning. Um, so do you get a lot of your trade then from people who are effectively passing traffic, as as well as people who who come to you specifically as a destination? Yeah, we get, well, I was saying today, our biggest passing trade at the moment is Sky and Drumnadrochit, which is a village on Loch Ness, and they all drive past the shop on the way to Inverness. Our other customers are kind of, if they follow the social media or they've seen us on the TV, and I guess Inverness itself, unless they've driven past, we've not quite tapped into the whole of Inverness yet, but we've only been open a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
So we need <laughs> a few weeks. In that case, you've probably done pretty well. Um, there are businesses who've been open for a few years who probably haven't fully tapped into their local market because a lot of the times people try and focus on the bigger picture and forget about the local market. So uh, I think um, it, it all comes with, with time. Um, so, the, yeah, the TV. Anybody who has watched This Farming Life will recognise your faces. Um, how did that come about? How How did you end up being on telly i mean um it was really quite fast paced wasn't it what had happened was last year we did a pop-up christmas shop on the farm and we opened up a play barn and had takeaway soup and coffees in the barn and kids could play during covid and bbc alba heard about it and they came and asked if they could film us for a gallic program they were doing about diversification on farms during the pandemic and use the social media wasn't it yeah, yeah they were saying about our social media and then this farming life put out asking for the farm in inverness and we, i think we saw the advert on social media and i completely dismissed it thinking oh we'd never get on that but then bbc mm-hmm. alba sent us all of the footage they took and said why don't you apply for this so I thought, oh, I'll just press forward. And I forwarded it onto the email address and said, well, we'd be keen if you are. And uh, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. It was, I couldn't even believe they replied to us, to be honest. <laughs> wow. I think we were quite late. And it wasn't that long until they started filming from when we applied, I don't think. Yeah, it, all, it happened really, really fast. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And did you have any reservations about being on TV? Um, no, I think. Did, well, I, I don't think we had that enough time to think about it all. Really, it was just almost off the cuff. A lot of it. Because we were really busy, and I yeah. think because we'd been filming each other for the social media, or I had been filming you hmm. actually, that we'd become a wee bit more natural being filmed, kind of. Um, well, you had. I think I felt more nervous, but also we're maybe a couple of raving idiots, and I never even <laughs> thought anything about. What would come of it, actually? Yeah. So I didn't have any reservations because I never thought about it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's good because perhaps, yeah, perhaps if you'd thought about it too much, you might have uh, started to question it. But tell us about the process. You know, most most people listening have never had a film crew on their farm or been involved in television. Tell us about the process. Has it is it disruptive? Is it fun? You know, tell us about how it all works. It was probably a bit different for both of us because. You are working on the farm, whereas I don't essentially have a big job on the farm. I was more like being part of your farm, if that makes sense. So I think they, they really wanted to catch us and they, we wanted them to capture us trying to open our farm shop and it, it didn't really go to plan and they got to film it all. Uh, we had to change the plan for various region, reasons a few times and we, we kind of got there in the end but it wasn't what we'd planned to to get there with but we did get there yeah so I, that's the journey they wanted to film from us and, and they definitely got it i think yeah they got <laughs> yeah they caught what you aren't the only ones who perhaps things haven't gone the way that was anticipated i remember with steve mitchell from the buffalo farm and he was on this farming life and he had kind of steps that he wanted to be filmed and it, it never worked out. It's worked out now, but it never worked out in the time frame that they all wanted because that's life, isn't it? That's that's farming life. We definitely weren't as organised as to hit these marks. We were just trying to open a farm shop. Yeah. I find it fun though, actually. And some of the things like I was thinking, the lambing, I'd always wanted to do a lambing on Donald's farm, but I felt intimidated by it. So then the film crew that filmed me doing the lambing were two women. And so actually it was three women together 
who didn't have a massive clue about farming. <laughs> and I felt kind of empowered by that. I was like, it's okay. They're saying, come on, get in there. So <laughs> and so you knew more than them, which I suppose is, is a, a confidence booster. Well, no, I didn't because Kate, <laughs> the camera woman, has been doing this farming license series too. So oh, I see. She's actually she knows quite a lot about farming now from going around the farms. And at one point, your dad wasn't letting me lamb a sheep, and I was like, "Have you ever lambed a sheep, Kate?" And she's like, "Yeah, I have." And I was like, "That's it. I'm lambing a sheep. That's not fair." <laughs> so then your dad had to just let me lamb something. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like the, the you know the, the film crew were a really good bunch, and almost like they became part of the the wider family whilst they were there because you must have seen a lot of them. Yay. Yeah, well, I, I think they definitely did. Towards the end, we started getting different camera crew. But in the beginning, when it was it was Kate, Zoe, Stephen, the original kind of camera crew, we saw quite a lot of them. And yeah, it was quite nice. It was good crack. There's normally only two people, so it's not that invasive at the time. So you, you probably don't think, I didn't think too much no. about it. Yeah, that sounds a wee yeah. bit, but yeah. It was, it was like, I looked forward to them coming because it, broke up the monotony of your life and it's like oh it's a bit of crack and they would laugh at things you were doing and you thought oh this is good fun so it was nice yeah yeah they often like would give me a big pep talk and be like come on you can do this so I quite <laughs> like that too <laughs> and I suppose the way I look at it with this farming life is that it, it, it has twofold benefits hopefully it's benefited your business by raising awareness and we'll maybe come on to that in a minute but it benefits because it's giving the general public a better and deeper understanding of what farming is like. And I'd love to hear your views on on this farming life as an entire series and the benefits you think it's delivered since it's been going. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I always say to all my family, Donald works all the time. And I feel like people don't believe me. So for me, I was like, I want to show how much he works. And I think that was well represented in all the farms, like people that come into the farm shop and have seen the programme say, gosh, I was exhausted just watching you. And I think it's all quite like that. Like uh, you and Emma, they work so hard and you can just you can totally see that and you can almost you can feel it. How how much of your lives are invested in it, I think, maybe. Yeah, I agree. And just the fact that they're there so often so nothing's staged it's not like they're mm. coming to get one thing um there might be things they, they would like to get but i mean you've got them for a day so it's just kind of rolling with it and you get a real insight quite often into farming life i think really mm -hmm. yeah and do you feel it's beneficial in terms of giving people a deeper understanding about things like you know the realities of life and death on farm the realities of meat eating and, you know, the associated high animal welfare that we see on Scottish farms. Do you think that that's a wider benefit? Yes. I mean, just in general, letting people see everything we do and some people's perception that we're factory farms or, you know, the, the whole message can get caught up in the worldwide thing. And we're not worldwide. We're locally based. If you break it down to Scotland, even, you know, we're such smaller scale and we tend to have high animal welfare standards. So it's just you know, letting people see what you're doing. And like Joanna said, especially Emma and you, and you were talking about them at lambing time, they just looked so tired and that's just mm. putting across the message. And I think we look pretty tired as well. So yeah, it's <laughs> just 
it's just letting people see it all and what we do and yeah hopefully like it yeah the people who come into your shop have i mean i I know you've only been open for a couple of weeks so you've maybe got a sort of small sample size here but the people who've seen you on tv what what do they say when they come into the shop we had people in today didn't we they were up from stafford and they were saying um oh, we, uh, we've watched you on TV. And I was like, oh, is it everything you thought it would be meeting us? And they were like, oh, I, d- I don't know. And then <laughs> within half a second, you and I had started arguing over, I don't know what we were arguing about. And then I just thought, oh God, <laughs> this is just exactly as it is on TV, isn't it? I was like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> shouldn't be arguing in front of yeah. customers. <laughs> we've, had, um, we've had people from Ireland and people from... York. York, yeah. People from Aberdeen. The- Come across on a holiday, but yeah, they'd they'd been watching it, and yeah, yeah. it's quite interesting. And it, it's it's still not properly out yet because it will go out in BBC Two. So yeah, there'll be even more people see it then. Yeah, some people had said they thought it was really funny that the camera crew had managed to capture me staring gormlessly at the sheep, not knowing what to do. And I remember standing around not knowing what to do and thinking, oh, this will all be edited out. They're not going to use footage of me standing like an idiot. <laughs> like, oh, it definitely comes across exactly as the situation was. Yeah. Wait till one goes out that we open the shop. And- yeah, we're quite nervous about the episodes we haven't seen yet that are still to come out because we got really, really stressed with opening the shop and running the reindeer event. And... Uh, yeah, no idea what they're going to be like. <laughs> well, uh, well, actually, you've preempted my next question in a way because it, it might be too early to tell. But is there any part of you that thinks, oh, crikey, what have we done by opening ourselves up for this? You know, um, because it is what, you know, this farming life is warts and all, as you've said. Um, and that must be quite make you feel a bit vulnerable in a way, does it? Well, yeah, it does. Yeah, but I suppose well, well Joanna's been out of her comfort zone in the first six that have come out because you've you've been doing some things in the farm and they haven't really showed us trying to open the shop yet. But in the next six, I think you'll see us try open the shop and do the other things. And we're both really out of our comfort zones. It's Absolutely. all it's all new. It's not where when they filmed me before, I was doing things I've done for the last. 15 whatever years you know and it was it was almost easy whereas trying to open the shop and everything that goes with with it and we had some other problems and yeah I think it'll be very interesting to watch it will I know and you don't know how all that's going to come across but every day we were slammed with another problem and (laughs) yeah (laughs) that we were just rinsed by the time it got to those final episodes I think the funniest thing they use gopros quite a lot and because we were going at 100 miles an hour when we opened the shop, we didn't realise at the back of the shop they, they put a GoPro on. Oh, yeah. And we didn't see oh. it all day. So it was filming us all day, sort of caught yeah. all the arguments. All oh, that. Yeah. Because we thought, oh, the camera crew have gone. This is exactly what I think of you and what you did with that. <laughs> and then at the end, they were like, thanks, guys. And they climbed up and took the GoPro down. And we were both like, oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Spy cam. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely real, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, people are fascinated to hear about, you know, the, the TV journey. But I don't want to focus on it for the whole chat because there's it's, it's just an element of your life. And what you do is no disrespect to the BBC, but what you do is far more more important than than a TV show, than just a TV show. Maybe this is more for you, Joanna, because maybe farming in the way that you do it at the moment is less in your blood than it is for Donald. But what is it that drives you and keeps you growing and doing new things? 
Oh, that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm actually doing this course at the moment, the Rural Leaders course. Oh, and yes. It's done a personality test. And I come up really, really high on creativity. I'm like a yellow person that is like excited by shiny things and ideas. And at the moment, I'm like, I'm loving this life because I stop what's in the shop what I want and I plan events that I want and I find interesting. But the downside of my personality test was that it showed that I have no um, what's no blue, which basically means being serious, doing accounts, doing numbers, doing paperwork, making it real. Yeah. So and finishing the projects you started, maybe sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really bad. So I mean, it's good because it's brought that to my attention. Though I'm sure I already knew <laughs> that, but I'm definitely driven by. I feel really, really passionate about food miles. Um, my degree, I focused on conservation and climate change. Uh, I was a geography teacher. I only left a couple of months ago. And I was completely driven by climate change, sustainability, food miles. So that's what I was really passionate about. I taught environmental science as well. Yeah, I feel like now I'm going out and doing what I've been talking about for the last like 15 years. And I feel really really driven by that like really passionate and it's a journey I don't always get it right with perhaps things I'm saying or getting into the shop but I'm constantly learning and I think I'm really driven by that yeah I get a hunger for for development and new things and like yeah, you said creative sparkly fun things as well and there's nothing wrong with that because <laughs> yeah. your your customers will love those things too hopefully yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it's based from education as well isn't it yeah. Really. We're, we're, we're um... educating about agricultural yes, practices. That's what I'm trying to say. Really because in yeah. the curriculum, like it was really pushed in schools that cows caused climate mm. change. And when I met Donald, my lessons had been like teaching kids to the exam that say cows create loads of methane through flatulence, one mark. And Donald's like, what is this? Mm. And I was showing him this video showing about a factory intensive farm in America. And he's like, but that's not what British farming is. And I felt like that was pushed so heavily in the curriculum. So then I like scrapped all my farming lessons and Donald helped me make up new, more relevant ones. And I started really teaching that, hold on, what are cows doing? And I researched it so much and then really became all about a local sustainable diet. And especially where we live in Inverness, meat is part of that diet because mm -hmm. for us at the moment, to have vegan things in the shop is so difficult, really, really difficult and impossible to get anything locally other than well, you, seasonal veg. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you have your seasonal veg, but yeah, to take stuff from further afield. And... Yeah. What would you say, your message to kind of the average consumer who troops into Tesco's and buys maybe some tofu and some Kenyan green beans for their supper, what would be your message for them if, if you had an open platform? Do you know, mine is like, that's fine. If you want to eat that, eat that. Just know where it came from. And do you know where that came from? I mean, yeah, I, I don't even know what tofu is, if I'm honest. What What is in that? <laughs> Lots of these things. It has like a heap of ingredients. Where, where mm. does it come from? It's got things I'd never heard of. And would I want to give my children these chemicals? I don't actually know what they are or where they come from. So... I think if you can say what's in your foods and know where it comes from, crack on. Read the ingredients on the back of everything you buy. And if you can't pronounce the ingredient, don't buy it. 
the ins and outs of it, I think, just need a wee bit addressing. It's like big companies that stand to make a lot of money from, oh, well, from these yeah. processed vegan foods. They're, They're just multi- a bit off. And we, yeah. we don't really have a voice that can combat them. Yeah, I, I have a bit, bit of a bee in my bonnet about that too, particularly in January, because I think if somebody wants to be vegan for a month then that's their choice but why choose january because everything they eat pretty much has got to be imported but if they chose a summer month there's so much more seasonal scottish produce that they could eat if they chose not to eat meat for that month and and yet there doesn't seem to be any thought behind it um well i i'm involved with the royal highland education trust as well and they're gonna love everything that you've just said because it is so important to not just to Educate sometimes is a patronising word and we don't mean it this way, but it's important to educate children, but also teachers. As you said, you know, you you just didn't know the truth before you met Donald and now you do. And there'll be plenty of teachers out there who are just labouring under a misapprehension of no fault of their own. But we need to get that message out. And if, if you're helping your the people who come through your, your meet your business to, to have a deeper understanding, then goodness, I you need a round of applause as far as I'm concerned. Well, I do think for me that's the biggest thing. And it's something we talk about every day now on our social media. And and it was something in the classroom I was saying to the children and they would come back and say, my mum and dad say though blah, 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 blah. And I just, mm. I was getting more and more fired up about it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, you are making a great contribution to raising awareness amongst the public about these things by being on the television. And I'm sure you'll be very diplomatic here, but do you think this farming life could do more to get messages like, that you would like them to out to the general public? The biggest viewing figures are Manchester and London. Oh, yeah. Is so, it not Birmingham and London? Is it Birmingham? Oh, I thought it was Manchester and London. I'm sure it's Birmingham and London. They will be. I mean, I don't know the stats, but I'm sure that they will have pretty hefty popularity in urban areas because there is that kind of fascination amongst people to see what it's like. Yeah, it's hard for us because we hang about with rural people. We're in a rural area. So yeah, yeah. it's very hard to know at the moment the the programme's only really gone out in Scotland, hasn't it? And it's on mm-hmm. BBC Scotland so far. So I don't actually have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Changing the subject very slightly, I understand from your Instagram that you're tenant farmers where you farm. I'm really fascinated by what you're doing because I think a lot of tenant farmers shy away from investing in their business because they feel as though it's not theirs and and they're afraid to make that investment. But you've obviously thought, well, actually, this is about what we want and our future. We're just going to go for it. Did you have any qualms along those lines or have I just asked you a really silly question? I think it's just basically our location is amazing. So why not? To the point that Inverness, if it jumps again, it, it might end up in some of our land. So having a farm shop so close to a city, why not? And we're very um, very grateful. Our landlord, he, he stays here, he's got his big estate house here and stuff, but he's very supportive of, of this. And they've always wanted a farm shop on his land up here. So we're just very lucky. We have a really good working relationship with them, I think, I hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, yeah. We're just lucky yeah. that, in all honesty. Um, uh, so I'm hoping that our podcast will still be going on a weekly basis in five years' time. So if I bring the two of you back onto the podcast in five years' time, what 
would you hope to be saying to me? I think you better come back to about two years or maybe even one year. <laughs> John has got lots of plans. Uh, we both do, actually. Um, what would we be saying in five years' time? That that will be interesting. Well, I would hope we've got a bigger farm shop yeah. with more local produce. Some of the things it's very hard to get locally because people don't make them. But I think by five years' time, all of these things will be being made locally. And hopefully that food trend will continue. You know, since COVID, I think people are wanting to know where their food comes from. So I hope there's going to be even more food kind of available in these parts. You know, like I've been speaking to a local Italian restaurant who are keen to make dried pasta for our shop. You know, that's not something you can get yeah, at the moment wow. in this area. So I, I think that would be cool. I'd like to have a shop big enough you can push a trolley around it and get things like that. And have a cafe, even if it's still just a takeaway, where people are getting yeah. hot food that has all been grown and produced on our farm. Yeah, mm. amazing. And, and then, park. what about the educational? The a play park. Yeah. What about the <laughs> educational side of things? Then, what would be your your five year kind of goals as far as that's concerned? Well, I would hope that seasonally we could be having groups of schools and children and parents coming and engaging in an active working farm so being able to go and see the lambing live being able to see calving being able to take part in growing food as well like active kind of vegetable patches and gardens and things and then i've got i've got a slightly different question for you um i would love to get goats <laughs> and i know you've got goats i wonder if you could tell my husband through the medium of this podcast why it's so amazing to be the owner of goats I, I will take this one, and your, your husband's going to hate me. What's his name? <laughs> Willie. Willie. I was very sceptical. The goats coming home were nothing to do with me, but I love them now. They aren't that far off having a dog, I would almost say. <gasps> it's got so much personality. It's a low-maintenance wow. dog, yeah. yay. Wow. And, like, at first they always tried to escape, didn't they? Like, it was just a nightmare. Now, actually, you don't need to even pen them in because they're like dogs. They just want to go around where you are, see what's happening. They forage, so they're eating all the weeds and things around the farm. Mm. And they're so happy and so cheery. It's so lovely. So hopefully in five years' time, we can compare notes about goat ownership. <laughs> Yay. Although I think we'd like some milking goats. I do think yeah, Ooh, our goats are wow. pretty useless. <laughs> they just... In five years' time, you'll probably have 20 goats. You'll have <laughs> local communities coming and milking goats. That's where I'll be in five years' time. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you to Donald and to Joanna. That was really interesting to hear their story. And I, I hope that we can go back and hear about all the developments up there near Inverness. I'm off to um, start Googling goats, following their excellent advice. Uh, meantime, yeah, that's about it from us this week. Um, but... If you know anybody else like Donald and Joanna who's got a really fascinating story to tell, please get in contact with us through social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at on underscore farm UK. And if we like your idea, we will send you a free mug. Uh, so, gosh, that's an incentive and a half, isn't it? But no, we'd love to hear from you because we want to talk to more people and hear their real life stories. That's it really from this week. The On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. So get in touch with us if you need any help with any of your communications, whether it's building a brand and a website through to social media or obviously podcasting. Um, do get in touch. 
and uh, we will see you again next week.